Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. <laughs> Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Plotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. I want to welcome everybody to the program tonight. I hope everybody is doing well. Okay, so let's see what's going on here. Let's try that a little bit. And uh, Okay, my guest tonight is Claudia Noriego Bernstein. She is a life, a Las Vegas-based life coach and has developed or dedicated the last 12 years of her life to empowering people to discover their full potential and personal growth and self-healing. A former South American journalist, Claudia is the author of 88 Most Important Lessons Learned in Life for Women that Want to Increase Their Confidence, Resilience, and Courage in Brighter Days. Please welcome Claudia to the report. How are you doing this evening? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for being here. So we were just talking a little bit about Vegas and, and your, your your need to travel, so I'm going to start with a non-traditional question. Where would you, where would you go? Like if I if I could just travel agent you, know, you right out the door right now. Where would you go? Okay, places that I haven't been probably. Um, I would like to go to Egypt. My husband think I'm crazy because I want to go. Um, Moroccan places. I like those places. I like I like to see different cultures. I don't know. It's just very enlightening for me. So South America, I know most of it. Europe, I I been I visit visited a a good bunch of, uh, of countries. So maybe also I would like to go to Asia, different places. I don't know if I have a a blank card, probably you know it would be more than one place. <laughs> I was gonna say, so you're taking full advantage of my blank travel there. You're gonna you're gonna take it. Well, yeah, you're giving me a travel agency. I'm not gonna just go to one place. That's <laughs> <laughs> so what what is going on here you you sounded great when we were talking a minute ago and now all of a sudden you sound kind of digital so i have no idea what's going on there you did something i must have did something so um hang out just a second i'm gonna i'm gonna refresh this and see if that works that is absolutely horrible hopefully this doesn't i don't understand that at all that was ridiculous how about now let's try that I cannot hear you you cannot hear me that's even better let me see <laughs> I cannot hear you okay hold can on can you hear me I can hear you I got, I got you <laughs> well, thanks for the good news there. Uh, hold on. Let's. Yeah, making it worse is always good. Going off the rails here. Um, live radio at its finest, right here, folks. It's okay. 
She yeah, she sounds far away, and like I said, the, the static was not there when we started the call a few minutes ago. So I don't know what transpired there when we joined the call here. So we're just going to uh, see what's going on there, and. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know. We'll, we'll get there, though. Let's see if that does anything. Okay. No, it's still staticky. What in the world? How about now? Do you want me to? Yeah. Are, you, are, are we good? No, we're not. I don't even know. Hold on. Let's try this Do one. Do you want me to unplug my microphone? No, because like I said, it had. Uh, yeah, go ahead for just a second. I don't know. I'm at a total loss I mean, at the moment. Can you hear me better? Ah, uh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> we did it, folks. Sorry about the little um, upheaval of technology. That's great. Uh, <laughs> Some days. Okay, so you have this this book out there, 88. What what made you decide 88? There's got to be a reason behind 88 because you could have went 90 or 100. Actually, there's no reason. I was just writing different lessons and I landed 88 and I didn't have any more lessons, so that was it. But I honestly didn't think about I'm going to write a book with, with 88 lessons. You know, I just went with it and started writing and when I realized they were 88. So I just used that name because I think it's really cool. It is. That's, I'm, not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just, I was curious because that just seems like such a, I don't want to say odd number because it's an even number. So there's that. Right. But it just, you know. So go ahead and tell me a little bit more about that book now that we've kind of fascinated my, or settled my curiosity about something that's so random it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote this book for my girls. I have three daughters, and I I have been sick my whole life. Um, I mean, I really don't talk about it much, but I have. Um, I had cancer three times. So my kids, and I'm so sorry, I don't know who's sending a fax, but you know what? We said already we're having a day, so we're going to let it ring. Um, so my, my, my intention was to write different things that my kids can – Take advantage if I'm not around to say somehow, you know. So I started writing things that I thought it would be important for them. Uh, I talk a little bit about their dad, my ex-husband who passed away. Um, I talk about, you know, when they were little. I talk about a lot of different things. And in between, about, you know, lessons that I learned along the way. You know, resilience and, and courage and, you know, empowering myself. It's not easy, you know, when... I had cancer when I was getting a divorce, so my fear of not being able to provide to my kids or not being there for them was, you know, huge. And I got better, and then I got it again, and then I got it again. So, you know, I thought it would be really cool to have something that my girls can go back to if one day I'm not around. I'm fine now. I'm not sick at all. So now it's just, you know... Uh, a project of love that I'm going to 
inherit to them and they can enjoy it and come back to me and say, mom, what did you mean when you wrote that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm okay. Which is something I've been kind of kicking the tires on doing for my kids. But my question for you is, um, okay, so you wrote it. Obviously you could have just gave it to them or put it on the shelf so they could find it or whatever. But what made you want to decide to, um, bring it to the world? I guess it's the easiest way to think, settle out what I'm thinking. My first intention was to just write it and give it to them. Uh, that was the first thing in my mind. Um, but then, you know, I'm a, I am an, an abundance coach. So I felt that perhaps something could resonate with somebody and can help somebody. My dad was a journalist. I was, you know, writing for, you know, magazines and stuff like that too for many years. So I love to write. And I always had a dream of publishing a book. I was going to publish a parenting book a few years ago. My computer crashed. Everything got deleted. I didn't want to do it anymore. And then I decided, well, why not? You know, I can publish this book and maybe it would land in somebody's hand that needed to read something that I wrote there. And in the same token, you know, made my kids proud. So that's why I published it. So what's I, your- I didn't I didn't have a, a, a reason like, uh, there is, you know, writers that want to publish a book because they want to become famous or they want to have a bestseller or something like that. Mine was more an emotional reason, I think. So let's circle back and let's talk about the f- impact of your father in your life because obviously he he left you a legacy of writing. So let's talk about that for a minute. Where, where, I mean, obviously he did a good job of it, but when did you realize that, I mean, because obviously being a journalist and then writing the book. And I mean, it's played a factor in your everyday life. So when did you decide or when did it hit you that writing was something that you wanted to do? I always journal. I know you're not fond of that. Well, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get there. (laughs) So I always journaled. So I always wrote, I always like to write different things. Um, That's when I started writing for magazines and different uh, publications. My dad, was a huge influence in my life since I was, since I remember. You know, my my dad was a very special man. He was liked by everyone. When when he passed away, You, I mean, he passed away in Peru, and I couldn't be there because I was pregnant, and they didn't tell me my dad had passed away. So I found out two days after when I called him to tell him he was a grandfather. So that was really, really tough, not only because I felt that I have lost my best friend, but I also lost my dad. And then immediately I thought, how, I don't know if I can say this word, but shitty, you know, that my kids are, okay, I didn't know, (laughs) Um, um, how shitty that my kids are not going to get to meet this person, you know, this human that has been so important to me. And um, that empowered me more to write more and more and more, you know, because I wanted that legacy. I wanted that inspiration to my girls and to everybody that wanted to read. Um, He was um, very bohemian. He climbed, you know, he went in expeditions and climbed, you know, humongous mountains, you know, to um, uh, write about the experience of the people that were having those adventures. He... Uh, wrote a couple of books in Peru. He was working on marketing. He was a creative director, same as me, for almost half of his life. So 
Yeah, I feel I, I felt I was daddy's girl, you know, but not like the typical daddy's girl because I was a tomboy until I remember. But we had that connection. It was very, very special. Yeah, so okay, so let's talk let's talk about journaling for a minute because you were there, I guess. You kind of brought it up and um So you you've done it all your life. So help me out here. Obviously you're way more proficient than me. But what are the types of things that I should be writing down? Well, first of all, you should be writing down projects that you have, you know, instead of just writing in in a paper and forget about it or think about it. I think it's very important when you have a by when, you know, I'm going to do this by next year or in five years or in 10 years. If that's your, your time frame, that's fine. But one of the benefits of journaling is holding yourself accountable when you want to have a project or a goal or a vision or however you want to call it. Another thing that I think is very important when you journal is that we tend to think about all the negative things that happen to us every day, you know? I'm stuck in traffic. I don't feel good. I didn't sleep good. Um, I hate my job. You know, those are things that people usually tell themselves. But during the day that you are awake, you know, during the hours that you are awake, there are also wonderful things that happen to you. You know, even a moment with your son or with your daughter or, you know, a phone call from an old friend or something that really make your day happier and and bring joy to your life. So when you have a journal, and especially the kind of journals that I publish, which have prompts, it kind of forces you to just focus on those moments. And you can go back and see that actually you don't have such a bad life. You know, you, you have every day something that you can be grateful for. I think that's, that's a huge advantage um, to have a journal. So, for some reason, your sound just started chopping again. For some unknown reason. Okay, now, 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 now that is not my fault. <laughs> no, yeah, I was going to say, now, now I'm sitting here going, what in the world is going on here tonight? You said you've been having a day, right? And here we are. I'm blaming you for having a day. Now I'm, I'm uh, Really? Because you said you were having a day as well. So, yeah. we're even here. Yeah. <laughs> and now we, our two days have collided to make this just entertaining at best <laughs> but did you hear me that bad though i, I can hear you i mean i know i have, i i, I, might I can hear, like, like if i have an accent or something no 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 that's your microphone no no I, I can hear you just fine it sounds like they're you're on an am radio though is the problem at times i guess it's the easiest way to describe oh. it like you got a little static or something or a little I, maybe it's not static it's a little digitally i guess I'm just using the audio from the computer. I unplugged my microphone. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. But you see, this this is what happened in life. You know, you can plan to have an awesome podcast and everything <laughs> working perfect, and then suddenly something happened. And, in, you know, in those moments, I say to myself, I need to practice tolerance. I need to practice tolerance. <laughs> Throw my computer out the window. <laughs> no, I... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. It's just so weird. That, like I said, there are moments that you sound great, and I and I'm enjoying the conversation, and then it just kind of switches, like the wind changes directions or something stupid. <laughs> which would be I don't know what to tell you. Which would be today, 
right in a nutshell for both of us. The wind changes direction and it all goes to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> there you go. It's okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah, so okay, so you're writing prompts. Um how how okay, what you you wrote the what is it? The abundance journal for men is the reason I grabbed you and brought you on the show. Because it kind of caught mm-hmm. my eye. So we're just gonna um push into that a little bit. Because uh, you okay. met, you mentioned you mentioned my uh, this this taste. Well, it starts probably with just writing, right? Because I'm not a, I don't think of myself as a great writer, which probably is. Well, we could get back to that and make me feel better about that too, probably. But so, how many prompts? And take me through like uh, average day, I guess is what I, or what an average journal page would look like, so I can kind of start wrapping my mind around. It. And and for the record, so I've, for example, I've got better at meditation in the last month, so maybe there's hope still. So go ahead, sorry. Wow, I'm impressed. We talked about that before, too. Yeah. (laughs) I'm impressed. You know what? Meditating is great because for at least 10 minutes, you have your brain empty or you try to have nothing in your brain so you really can relax. It's kind of like fasting, you know? You're fasting your brain, which is great. Okay, so okay, so you I'm journaling at the end of the day before before I attempt this meditation. So we're gonna <laughs> boy, so, so the, the 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 five of the five year ago of me is just slapping myself because I just you know the five year ago of me says you can never shut off that much to even think about anything. But now I'm I'm trying. So maybe that's what this show is all about: is documenting my journey. So how long should I take to do this? Because I don't want to put a time limit on it, but I know that, what is it, 90 days to create a habit or something like that? Well, yes, because people think that you have to stop a habit, and a habit needs to be replaced. You replace one habit with another habit that is working better for you. So, yeah, in a way you do that, you train your brain to adopt a different habit, which would be journaling. You know, instead of waking up in the morning and tell yourself a million things that are going to go wrong, um, you start journaling. So my journals have two parts, a.m. and p.m. It's three prompts in the morning, three prompts in the afternoon. And then you have an affirmation in the bottom that you can take with you the rest of the day and kind of empower you or make you feel good or remind you that it's not such a bad day. Um, at the beginning, you know, you have like write something kind to yourself, which I think is always important. And a lot of men has a problem with that because they think it's a little sissy to write something nice about yourself, you know, but you don't have to write like a woman would say, you know, um, I'm so beautiful or I love myself or whatever. You don't have to write those kind of things, but you can write something like, you know, I am allowed to say no to others and yes to myself. I mean, that's that's something positive you're telling to yourself. The conversations we have with ourselves are the most important conversations we have, hands down. You know, you can talk to everybody in your life, your kids, your wife, your boss, your friends, the person in the grocery store. Perfect. You fly by your day. But the things that we say to ourselves is what stays in our head. And those things can make it or break it, like, in your life, you know, in in general. So sometimes we find ourselves saying, I'm so stupid, I am so clumsy, or I'm so fat, or I am so loud, or in, in it's always negative things, you know, we always say negative things to ourselves. So 
is kind, it's nice to say something kind to yourself in the morning. Um, the second prompt, it asks you, what are you grateful for? And you don't have to be always grateful because you have a job or because you have a house or because you, you know, those things are great. But how about you are thankful because you're going to have a free afternoon. You're going to be able to take your son to the park. You know, something that is every day. Um, it could be an everyday thing for somebody else, but it's something special to you and acknowledge that moment that you're having because it's something that you should be grateful for because somebody else might not be able to have that moment. Um, and like that, you you have three prompts in the morning and then at night, you know, I, I show self-love today by or, um, you know, the best thing today was different things that would bring you back to the highlights of your days in a positive way so you can really remember them. And actually, in the long run, you can always go back, you know, to 30, 40 days ago and see that you had great days then then too, you know. Even if you didn't have such a great day today, you can go back and see, well, you know what, today wasn't that great. Like you and I today, we had a day. But yesterday was good, and I have a couple of great things happening to me yesterday, and then last week too, you know. So even the little things, you know, those things, and remember that you actually have a good life. So let's let's talk about abundance at this point, because obviously you you were wanting to string good days together or better days together to make them good and then great and right. Because obviously, when some people say abundance, obviously the first thing they think about is. Money. Money, yes. The root of all evil. Yeah. <laughs> you and you know what? When I when I have a client at the beginning we have a discovery call and then we um kind of go through getting to know each other and one of my questions is what's abundance for you? You know, and the first thing they say is like having a big house and having money and having a couple of cars and I'm like those are things, you know? It's like when, when you ask somebody, what is self-love? And they go, going to the spa? No, that's self-care. That's not self-love, you know? I mean, it's like we have these um, definitions that are wrong. I mean, I'm sorry, but they are. So abundance for me is, I mean, the word abundance means a lot of something, you know? But those somethings don't have to be things, you can have abundance of health. You can have abundance of friendship. You can have abundance of love. You can have abundance of um, peace in your life. I mean, how rich are you if you have abundance of, you know, joy in your life? So, you know, actually, I, I did um, something on my Instagram and uh, kind of like a poll, and I asked how wealthy do you feel you are with love? And it was like, you know, poor, medium, or very wealthy. And I had a couple of people writing that they were poor. And, and it makes me feel so sad, you know, because imagine if you feel that you, if your wealth would be in love and you feel you're poor, you're a pretty lonely person. I mean, I wanted to give him a call. You give him a hug, you know, it's so sad. And oftentimes we have this perception of the life we live because we think that abundance is 
only things and we don't pay attention to the emotional part and we don't pay attention to what we do have in our life that make our lives a life of abundance. Okay, so let's let's drill down on this though because it's easy to say you want love in your life or happiness or we'll, we'll leave the other mm-hmm. the other because it's easier to get money than it is love. Right? We can be honest about that. Right. So how how do we go well, about it building be. that? Well, I know it shouldn't be, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Come on now, don't give me don't don't tell me that. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> So how how do we build those? You know, I think that you, it starts with you. I mean, honestly, if you don't love yourself, how are you going to be able to love anybody else? It starts with you. That's what I was saying to you earlier. The the most important relationship and the most important conversations you're going to have is with yourself. So you have to start by loving yourself. That's how you start creating that abundance by loving yourself, by liking yourself, by accepting yourself, but filling those voids in your life by yourself, for yourself, with yourself. If you don't do that and you are giving your power away in a way because you're allowing other people to, um, how do you say that, to to describe you, to to say who you are. It's like, for example, you know, when you're a teenager, if somebody comes to you and you're a girl, okay, and somebody comes to you and say, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. I mean, how many girls don't see that? But they decide to just adopt the opinion of somebody else because it's easier than doing the work to love themselves enough to feel that they are actually beautiful. So to create that, you have to start with yourself. For some reason, your Amazon page just popped up in my browser, which, again, we're having one of those nights, which I'm going to work with it for a minute because I told you I was missing something earlier and I just figured out what it was because of this page popping up. You also you also have a book for kids out there. So how old of kids should I be targeting this for? I have a journal for kids, and I started that um, after the first year of COVID. It's um, from... You can say, you know, five, six years old and up, um, up to 10, because these generations are growing so fast that probably a 12-year-old is not going to be very interested in a kid's journal. But um, I wanted, I got really worried about how many children were suffering from depression, how many kids were killing themselves. And I wanted to do something to help. And what better than teaching children to be grateful? So I created my gratitude journal. I am my gratitude journal, which is actually in, in a few charter schools. And, um, and we did a study to see if kids' um, predisposition for, you know, having a good day and being happy and joyful was more present when they were journaling and they were, again, so they can write, they can circle it and see, you know, what the mood they have and their level of energy. And then in, they say one thing that I always makes me, that always makes me smile is I love when, and they have to finish the sentences, today I learned, today 
I appreciate or different things like that. And then I also incorporated some stories with very cool messages that can teach them, you know, lessons that they can apply in their everyday life. So I created that journal because I wanted kids to be happier, you know, and not being able to go to school and not being able to socialize kind of put them in a very dark place. And there were a lot of children that were not doing good, you know, and and even now, even now that the schools are open, you know, a lot of kids don't want to go back because they got social anxiety. They don't know how to behave. It's crazy to me. My sister, but it's not that she cannot, she doesn't need to wear a mask. She will ask her mom to put the mask on her face before they go out because that's all she knows. You know, she started putting a mask when she was three, three years old. Now she's five and she's like, wait a minute, mom, you're forgetting something, you know? So I wanted to do something that empower kids and make them think of the happy times they have during the day and, and kind of have something different to do besides sitting in front of a TV or, or their phone or video games or whatever it is that they were doing. I was what you were saying that I was just thinking how important it is to get kids actually pen to paper mm-hmm. or book in this case, but we'll just call it paper because it sounds better and actually write it. Is. Because I, I mean, I think that's going to be unfortunately or well, unfortunately, it's going to be a lost skill in the next generation. Martin, I said to her, um, I, when you have babies, when you have kids, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. Obviously, I'm going to speak to them in Spanish because I think it's so important for kids to learn different. As a kid, it, it, yes, life in, in this world has changed so much, but I think I had a happier childhood than some of the kids nowadays, and that's so scary because I come from a third world country. You know, it, it, it's not that we had um, a lot of uh, things like, you know, American kids had, but we had a ball, you know, literally. I mean, we will go play outside and drink water from the hose and, and you know, and and have fun. And kids nowadays don't do that. They're either, I mean, you go to a restaurant and you see a kid with an iPad and the parents are talking and, and you ask yourself, why did you bring your kid to the restaurant if you're not even going to interact with them? I remember when my kids were little, I would sit in the table and I would talk to them, you know. How was your day? Tell me something that you learned today. Tell me tell me something fun you did today. Now everybody is on their phone. There is no interaction. There is no communication. And, and then, you know, kids do crazy things or stupid things and their parents are like, oh, I don't know what they did that. I have no idea he was going through that. Well, talk to your kid communicate with your kid, find out what's in his head, in his heart, what are his fears, what are they thinking about? You know, I think, I mean, if you ask me, somebody asked me the other day, how do we make this a better world? And I'm like, start with the kids. That's how you do it. Start with the kids. Let's create uh, a generation that is kind, that is loving, that is respectful, that it, that doesn't hate, that, that can accept other people for who they are, that can embrace um, diversity, you know, in, in mind your own business. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's so crazy how kids adopt whatever parents think sometimes in, 
that robs them from the opportunity to think and make their own conclusions and, and, and their own decisions. And we are all thinking people, you know. We all should be able to learn and, and, and have our own opinions. At least I think that way. I agree. I think kindness is a great thing that we need to get more of. Like, there's never going to be enough of it. I agree. It's so sad, you know. I talk to strangers. I mean, my husband <laughs> said to me, you spend your whole life telling your kids don't talk to strangers, but you're the first <laughs> one to do that. And I'm like, I talk to strangers because, first of all, I'm an adult, so it's okay for an adult to talk to strangers, but we cannot be so indifferent. We are sharing this world. If I go to the grocery store and I see the cashier that is upset or has the head down or, you know, is irritated, I try to cheer her up. Hey, how's your day? Are you almost done with your shift? No, I just started, oh, my God, bummer. How many more hours? And I just start talking. It takes three minutes to run your groceries if you're not doing self-checkout, you know? Why not say something kind to somebody you are in front of this other human that maybe you're the only kind person that she or he is going to talk to. Why not? So, I, you know, my mind just jumped back to the conversation. You said your daughter was getting married in March, I think you said. Mm-hmm. And now I, I got married in 2006, so however long ago that was. I'm not going to do the math or pretend it. <laughs> but I was thinking about the reception we had, right? And we had a bunch of those... Yeah. Um, disposable one-time use cameras, right? Here's how technology has changed in the last bunch of years, right? And absolutely our favorite picture from that day came from one of those cameras. It was the last picture. And I'm pretty sure it was in the hands of a child most of the time. It might have been, this child might even have took this picture because some of them, other pictures before that were horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm going to give them credit, right? They they may have taken the picture today. Just Bye. But there's technology changing again, and then, but that moment, if they would have been on the, well, of course they wouldn't have been on their phone back in the day because they have phones. But today, they probably wouldn't have taken that picture. They would have been too busy playing whatever the game of the moment is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, my daughter doesn't want anybody with the phones in the ceremony, and she has a sign made that says "Unplug yourself." And then she's going to give disposable cameras so people are not in their phones and they're in the moment and they're taking pictures. She's very, this is my Woodstock girl, okay? She's very, she's very like that. So she's having like disco balls and all that stuff in her wedding. She's, she's funny. (laughs) But you know what? I love her individuality. I love that she knows who she is and she knows what she wants and and, you know, she embraced herself, and and I love that about her. I, like I said, I don't even know why that came up, but there it was. There's our nugget of um, unbelievable goofiness that came from me there. Uh, oh, oh, give people the, your website, because I know you do some coaching and all that other fun stuff, so if people want to hear more from you or get the books or, you know, any of that other fun stuff, let's get that out before I forget, because... I looked up and we're already over halfway through, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're having fun. My website is a brighterdaysbook.com. Brighterdaysbook.com. 
www.amazonbooks.com. But my books are in Amazon as well, so they can always, you know, find the book there and then copy the name and find me in my website. So you mentioned Instagram earlier. Is that your um, social media poison of choice? Yeah, but I use my social media. It's funny because I use my social media um, for my business as well. So I'm always coaching. And it's funny because sometimes I will post something totally unrelated to me because it's a message to one of my my um, my clients. Um, and immediately, you know how people are, are you okay? Is everything okay between the two of you? You know, yeah, every time that I post something doesn't have to be because I'm getting a divorce. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I do a lot of coaching on my Instagram. I, I write a lot of, um, about a lot of different subjects. I, um, sometimes I just post a picture for the heck of it. You know, my stories are usually my everyday life. I don't, I don't do a lot of the coaching in my stories. So that's more personal. But my postings are, and and I enjoy writing there too. I'm finishing a book for um, for couples, a relationship book, and I'm having a lot of fun because every time my husband says something or he put his foot in his mouth, I'm like, "Can I put that in my book?" And he's like, <laughs> "No." <laughs> your relationship, your relationship book title, just don't do it. I don't think Nike yes. will see you for. <laughs> I don't think Nike will right. see you. It'll be okay. I would stay away from using that white and black font, though. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. I'm thinking about the dynamics between people now. You got we talked about couples and, and children getting married and families, and I guess that comes back to this whole love thing. See, now we're kind of circling around here, and I'm not sure where we're going. Um, how important is it to have those, I'm going to say people, because I think it's important to have mm-hmm. people that you connect with on a deeper than, hey, how's you today level? Are you are you talking about romantically or just, just who's in, your tribe? In general, your tri- you said tribe. There's the word I was looking for and couldn't find it. So you obviously have some thoughts about this. Yeah. I think, you know, um, my tribe personally has changed a lot in the last few years. Um, somebody said to me once, when you know your value, you stop giving discounts. And that is so true to me. Um, it's very important for me now, more than when I was younger, um, who I, <clears throat> excuse me, surround myself with. You know, I want people that are going to be positive, that are going to empower me, that are going to be my biggest cheerleaders, but at the same token, they're going to be open and transparent with me when I messed up. I don't want somebody always telling me how beautiful and smart I am. You know, I know that, and I'm not being conceited. I love myself. I know who I am. But I want to have people around me that empower me and make me feel good. Yeah, all that is wonderful. But I also want to have people in my life that would call me on my, you know what, you know, and they say, you know what, this time I don't think you should have said that or um, I don't agree with you, which is fine. Sometimes you can have people that you adore and they're part of your tribe because of different qualities, 
but you just need to agree with not everybody 100% aligned with your thinking. I think you can have people in your tribe that are aligned with your values and your principles and, um, you know, you know in, having integrity. That's a must for me. But I, for example, have very good friends that I, I am an independent, for example, if we're going to talk about politics, you know, I'm an independent. So, but I have Republicans and Democrats and liberals friends. I have a lot in my pod. And even though they have different views in a lot of different ways, we share the same values. So I feel I am aligned with those people because we share the same values. So you mentioned being your biggest cheerleader, but at some point, now you're gonna you're gonna laugh, right? Because you do need that biggest cheerleader, but you also need somebody to call you out when you're being stupid, right? <laughs> so where's that? I mean, I, I'm assuming that's a fine line, but it's not though in some cases because you obviously you gotta you gotta have enough trust with that person to tell you that well it's just a bad idea. Well, no, because when you are in a place where you know who you are and you accept who you are for who you are, I'm sorry, but I'm repeating that, but it's true, um, and you know which areas of your life need work, because when somebody says something to you and it triggers you, that means that you need work on that area. So, But when you have work enough on yourself, then you know that whatever people are going to say is not personal. And if that person that is saying something to you is part of your tribe, then that person is saying something from a place of love. Is not saying something to you because they want to hurt you or because they want to bother you or because they want to make you feel bad. This is a person that actually care for you. And that person is going to tell you, it's like when you go to your kid and say something to your kid. You don't want to hurt your kid. You don't want to make your, your kid feel bad. So if my friend comes to me and say, I feel that blah, 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 then I need to be open because this is a person that is in my life that I'm a person to be life. And I should value their feedback. I might not agree again. You know, we might agree to disagree, but why would I get hurt if that person intention is just to help me be a better person? Interesting. I, I'm processing that because that's because sometimes I don't know. I just there is some I don't know. There's truth out there though that people need to. It, it's hard though to hear it sometimes. But where is it coming from? You know, it's like oftentimes people say things, but their intention is not to hurt you. So you instead of being so stuck on the words that that other person is using to communicate something to you. How about you take a step back and think about the intention of that person? What that, what this person is trying to achieve? What's her goal? And then when you see the comment from that perspective, then you're not going to take it personal because you know that he didn't, he, he didn't mean to say something to hurt you. So you mentioned that you've kind of reshaped your tribe over the last couple of years. And of course, COVID mm -hmm. probably helped you do that one way or the other. But how? Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to cut to the chase because I think that'll mm -hmm. probably be easier for both of us. How do you get rid of those uh, toxic people in your life? 
how you unfollow people in real life. Yeah. Like, you know, cause <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it was that simple, right, you could just click and cut the cord and never right. see them again. <laughs> Well, I honestly don't think that you got to have a conversation and say, you know, from now on, we're not going to be friends anymore. I have grown. <laughs> you know, you don't do that. But I think you have to set boundaries. And oftentimes people think that setting boundaries is telling people how to behave. You have to set boundaries to protect yourself. And I was talking about this with somebody else the other day. When you go to a museum and you see a painting and you see a red robe in front of the painting, it's not because the Picasso is going to attack you. It's to protect the Picasso, correct? So if I set those boundaries with me and I don't allow other people to treat me the way I don't appreciate to be treated, then I'm, you know, I'm protecting myself. And that's how you little by little get rid of those people. And there's going to be people that either going to change the behavior with you and they're going to say, you know what, I get it. And they're going to try to be a little different or not talk to you the way that you don't want to be talked to. And there's going to be people that are going to say, who the heck you think you are? I don't want to be your friend anymore. And I would say, that's fine. But I am my priority. And if I don't allow anybody talking to me the way you're talking to me, why would I allow you to do that to me? And that is the same way as I had friends that, they, that were very toxic. And I have family members that were toxic. And oftentimes we think that because this, this person is our family, we must have them in our life. You can love somebody from far. That's okay. I give permission to yourself to say, you know what, I, I love this person, but he's not contributing in any way for me to have a peaceful life or an enjoyable life. So I'm just going to put distance. And that's that, you know, and, and if the person wants to be part of your life, then they're going to have to respect your boundaries. So what's what I had relationships in my life that were one way street. I was giving and giving and giving and giving and the person was taking and taking and taking and until I didn't realize the dynamic of the relationship, I didn't say anything, you know? And it, I got to a point that I was like, you know what? I think I'm a very good friend. I feel that I have been very patient with you, but I think this is just a one-way relationship. You only call when you need something, and I don't feel very appreciated by you. In those cases, yes, have a conversation and speak your mind. But other cases, you don't even need to. You just put space. So well, let's flip it on the other shoe because that's obviously the more positive one. But it, it's probably just—it's probably more difficult to find the people you want, the law of attraction, right? The kind of people you want in your life. And where am I wrong about that? It depends because if you have a clear understanding what kind of people you want in your life, you're definitely gonna look for that people. And you're going you're gonna, to um, gravitate to that people. And that people are going to gravitate to you. I am speaking now with a lot more positive people and more in, enlightening people than five, six years ago because that's what I'm looking for. I'm not going to waste my time with somebody that is gossiping or is um, bad-mouthing somebody or, or is jealous or has a, a, a you know, scarcity mentality. I, I don't care for that. 
it, it, those people don't have space in my life because I won't allow those people to be part of my life. And that includes family, as I said before. You know, I really had to put my foot down and say, I wish you the best. I just don't care to have a relationship with you. So I don't know what I exactly was thinking when I wrote this on the side of my notes, but I'm going to ask you about it. Because okay. obviously I've, I've thought enough of it to write it down sideways, which is not totally weird for me because it's kind of one of those things that, you know, <laughs> you'll, you'll appreciate this. There are times that I think the conversation's going sideways, so I'll turn my notebook sideways to kind of put it back on the rails. Of course, I'm not thinking yeah. about it tonight, but... Sometimes it just kind of happens that way. Like, I'll drop myself something just to kind of recenter the conversation. And for mm -hmm. some reason tonight, I wrote self-healing as that kind of steer back into something. But I, obviously, like I said, I don't think the conversation's off the rails. But I'd, I'm just interested to find, I don't know why I wrote that particular phrase on the side of my notebook. Because I think there's must so you wanna, must. So you want to know what I think about self healing? Yeah, I was gonna say because it must have been so, it's subconscious. Because like I said, I didn't think this conversation would go that way. Obviously, I, I figured you'd be a you know I guess that was easy to corral. But for me to turn it and write that must mean I want to go there in my mind, and I didn't want right. to. So okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. I love that you say what you have to what you think. It's, it's great. But self healing. It has a reputation of being something, I don't know, for the Dalai Lama, you know? It's like, how am I going to do that? I don't have the experience or whatever. It's really not that hard. You know, when you start noticing the triggers in your life, you start noticing the problems. And to be able to fix a problem, you have to acknowledge the problem first. Oftentimes, the work of healing is harder than accepting what all the things of us. So we kind of put a band-aid on, on the parts of us that need to heal, and we forget about it, you know, um, out of sight, out of mind kind of it. But if you really want to heal, then you need to go deep. You really need to acknowledge the areas of your life that are not working for you and, and accept your responsibility on that. You know, it's not everybody else, somebody else's fault that you feel one way or another. Whatever you're feeling is a result of something that happened to you. And many, many times it's something that perhaps, perhaps somebody when you were a kid said to you. And that's when the limited beliefs uh, um, are created. You know, <laughs> you adopt somebody's opinion as a true thing. In the same way that we can adopt somebody's opinion in a positive way, we can adopt it in a negative way, and then we hurt ourselves. And only by realizing that that was just somebody's opinion, but it's not the definition of who we are or our value, is the only way that we can start healing. But you have to recognize those things. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume, I'm going to put words in your mouth, that'd be the first step to that self-love and all that stuff we've been kind of talking about, we kind of work this one backwards. Right, right. <laughs> it all starts with you, but no, we're not, we are not working it backwards because oftentimes we don't realize that until it, until it's in front of us. So we have that aha moment. Oh, that's what you mean. 
you know it's like even when I talk to my clients you know and um for example they'll say oh yeah my mom used to tell me all the time that I was stupid so now every time something goes wrong I'll go I'm so stupid and I'm like but do you really believe you're stupid and she will she or he will say no I don't and I say so why do you talk to yourself like that or we don't give ourselves time to heal when a situation happens let's say you you know not, I'm not gonna say you but I'm well yeah I have to because it's the only way I can give an example so, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. so let's say you <laughs> You get you get a divorce, okay? Um, you need to heal from that experience. If your friend call you and tell you, "Hey Jim, I'm, I'm getting a divorce," you're not gonna tell your friend, "Oh, get over it, get over it. Let's go for a drink and forget about it." So if you're not gonna do that to your friend, why would you do that to yourself? Why wouldn't you say the same thing you would say to a dear friend? You know, how do you feel? How can I help you? What do we need to do to make this better for you? What kind of support do you need from me? Those are the conversations you got to have with yourself to get better and to heal. So you're probably going to laugh at me when I tell you this. Because this is probably the worst thing that I could tell you, but it's the truth about me. I'm always the hardest, hardest on myself because I don't want anybody else to be harder on me than... Well, but that's a defense mechanism. And it's worked pretty well. <laughs> it's like those couples that say, that is not true what you just said. You're telling me that from your mouth out, but it's not true. But I'm, I, I'll fight you with that. But it's like those people that say, uh, I'm never going to get that job. I'm never going to get that job. I'm never going to get that job. Because they don't want to be disappointed not getting the job. So when they don't get the job, they say, you see, I told you I wasn't going to get that job. Okay. So you're right. How's that working for you? Oh, see, I'm, I'm not that negative, though. But <laughs> like, I you're do, I do, <laughs> I, I do want good things. But I also know, well, like back in the early days of the show, somebody on YouTube posted a comment: "The worst show host ever." And I went, "Yeah, I already know that. I know." Like, but, um, but but do you really think you are the worst host ever? Honestly, uh, Jim. I mean, no, not a well. Maybe back. Maybe sincerity here. Maybe back at the day, back when that was wrote ten or twelve years ago, eleven years ago, back in the maybe. early days, maybe. But today, no. But I don't think you were ten or twelve years ago because you were learning. I mean, as far as I know, you were a pioneer in this podcast situation. So you were opening a road for everybody else that was coming. After you, I mean, how wonderful that is! Yeah, and and like you when you say what you've got a nobody, Tom Brady, NFL quarterback, wasn't the Tom Brady we know when he was in high school, those early no, days. No, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we are the sum of all those, you know, little um, achievements and mistakes and failures and lessons and everything, and here we are. Jim and Claudia, you know, but we had to go through all that to be able to be where we are right now and to be the person that we are right now. So somebody, some listen, somebody wrote in one of my reviews in, in, in um, what is it? Amazon. Um, I got my first bad review like a couple of months ago. I never had a bad review before. And I was like, oh, 
wow, I don't know how I feel about this. But this lady wrote, um, I bought the book and I read it and she didn't tell me anything that I already that I don't already know or something like that. I don't know how you say that in English, but like no, she already knew everything I yeah. about. So I, first of all, I didn't take it personal because I'm not in that place. I was in that place for many years. I'm not in that place anymore. So I was like, huh, you know what? Good for you. Good for you that you know all those lessons. I'm proud of you. And if something, I hope my book just remind you of those lessons, but I didn't take it to heart. Like, how dare she says that? She talks too much about her kids. That's what she said. Which, I'm sorry, but I don't talk a lot about my kids. I talk about my kids, but I talk about a million other things. You know, that's the only thing that capture you. Then there is nothing I can do about it. But thank you for buying my book. Thank you for um, giving a review, even though it wasn't very kind. Because, I mean, you don't have nothing nice to say. Don't say anything at all. But... um but I didn't take it personal, you know? I wasn't like bitter, oh my God, how dare she did that? No, it was like, okay, that's your opinion, lady. And you know what? Thank you for buying my book. Yeah, I was going to say, buy the book, listen to the show. You know, it's all the same. Okay, hey, I've got to ask you, we've got like a minute and a half left, and I have one of these, I don't want to say trivial questions I end the show with, but, well, it is. Because we've talked about a lot of great things tonight, but this this one... It's kind of been a staple. You've said you've listened to a show before, so you've probably heard this question. And you've had a time to think about it. What's your favorite breakfast? I like breakfast all day. Oh, see, so I you're, would you're, eat winning, breakfast you're, you're, you're winning all this day. question. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, I'm going to tell you my favorite breakfast, okay? I love um, an omelette with onions and tomatoes and a side of sour cream. And then I love hash browns, and I love yogurt parfait. I eat a lot. There's nothing wrong with eating a lot. Well, Claudia, it has been fun, even through our bad days and our tech problems and all the other fun stuff, but we, we managed to make it. So um, Yes, we did. We did. <laughs> so ho- hopefully tomorrow is better for both of us. It, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. Life has a way of balancing everything, so I'm sure it will be a better day. Thank you, and and have a good – well, I guess it's night over there still, so talk to you soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. And there we go. Got Claudia out of here. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to stall for just a second here to get these timers synced up, maybe, if it stops, and then we'll start it again. Just trying to get the time right because, like, I had some audio issues earlier, so – I wanted to make sure I got that done uh, before I forgot what was going on. Good to see everybody tonight. Good to be here. Spooky season. Enjoy. It's the Mallard Report. Yeah, the Mallard Report. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think.
Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcasts. 